0: let 's take some dialogue and Q and a and i 'd be happy to speak into that and then we 'll come back a little later on you 're standing up so good i 'm focusing one thing you said you didn 't have a drummer yeah. right yeah. How can you have a church without a drummer exactly but, but then that 's the very point. Why do you have to yeah. limit yourself to you i 'm all for the band, but yeah. why so yeah. why didn 't you change not to operate without a drummer oh it would be no problem to have done it without a drummer we were but we also wanted to invite people to that because the culture um, where we are music tends to be driven through um we've we most most churches now switch from piano driven music to guitar driven music which has a beat and a beat is often accompanied with a drummer but we would have been more than happy to do that but in the cultural context where we are we think people are more likely to be able to engage in singing praise and glory and honor to god using instruments to which that they have become accustomed and 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 for gives them the ability to focus not on um, not on the peripherals but on something that they're already accustomed to so part of it is a philosophical issue of on the basis that you choose music for a church you know god can and does use any form of music for his glory and honor except country western but i mean anything else is fine and so we 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 use that style there uh, and, and that's that's what we were looking to do good someone else question right over here in the middle Yeah, thanks. Ed. I don't know if I missed it, but you were, earlier you talked about um, that you're going to talk about the difference between a CPM, like a church planting movement, and um, a church multiplication. Mo- multiplication, church movement. multiplication. Yeah. Now, did you are you going to get to mm-hmm. that? Or are we, I plan did to, I miss I, it? No, no, I, I plan to, but let's do it right now. Um, we actually, a church multiplication movement is a rapid and indigenous reproduction of churches within a given people group or population segment. Um, it tends to be a rapidity of just a mass order. Um, I don't believe that that's going to happen in the West. And I'm sad to say that because I want to see that. I want to see that kind of thing. Um, We've seen that once in North America. Uh, We've never seen it in Australia. We've never seen it in Great Britain. Um, And and, and we've never seen South Africa. Um, So there's only one time. It happened from 1795 to 1810, on the western frontier of what was then the United States. Um, and in those 3,000 churches were planted in 15 years among a frontier population. Uh, William Warren tweets, a very well-known th- uh, historian, talked about the Baptist farmer preacher who was, you know, farm all week and then plant church on the weekend. And the Wesleyans had their class system and their circuit rider system, any of you would be familiar with. So that's the last time, 1795 to 1810, on the frontier of an, in an uncivilized world, uh, where everyone was doing similar things. That's the last time we saw that. So I've I'm, I'm come to the conclusion, though people disagree with me, and that's okay. Um, I've come to the conclusion that ultimately we will not see that kind of church planting movement in the West. But what, what I believe we can see, and some of us have even seen in our own lifetime, is a church multiplication movement. And we define a church multiplication movement in viral churches as a movement of churches that grows by 50% in the number of churches each year, with a 50% conversion rate to at least the third generation. And in viral churches, we give some, some exhortation towards that. So in other words, if to use Geneva Push as, as, as an example, um, if there are 100 Geneva Push churches, and the next year there are 150 Geneva Push churches, and half of the people who are new in those churches came who were lost and then heard the gospel and responded by grace and through faith, and we did that to three times to the third generation, We would see that to be the case. We've seen some of that uh, kind of growth, uh, even with the conversions among some Pentecostal charismatic groups in some of the Western settings. Uh, We've seen bursts of that in some other settings as well. So that's ultimately, I think, a, uh, a more possible scenario among churches in the West. So that's the distinction between the two. Some of it has to do with rapidity. Also, too, I think in a church multiplication movement, we're going to see a higher polity. I think almost all of these church planting movements are in very, very low polity uh, settings in a place where, to be honest, theologically a lot of us would be uncomfortable going. So, good, good. Someone else? Yes. Oh, I'm not sure who's here. Yeah, right, right next to the fellow just asked a question. And then we'll go over here to these folks right over here. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, just wondering about um, uh, the American context... Yeah. Uh, in planning churches, you guys seem to start uh, new churches with a larger core than Australian churches. And just trying to get our heads around um, starting church within the first three years of church planning in Australia when perhaps you're still at 100, maybe max 150, you're still maybe struggling to be viable. Yeah. Um, whereas in America, it seems you guys reach viability very quickly, You exceed critical mass very quickly, and so is it? Are you more able to plant a church within the first three years there than? uh, How do you see that happening here? It's a great question. Uh, Let me let me show you something um, that might help. Uh, First of all, I think a little bit that is a is a. I want to say it's a myth, but I'm not saying that what you're saying is a myth. But I think what's being communicated around the world is a myth. I I spoke at a conference on church planting um, last year, and it was um. It was interesting. It was at, uh, it was at uh, uh, Saddleback Church, very very uh, well known church in the states and I guess around the world. And um, and what was interesting was was listening to uh, there there were nine of us who were speakers, um, and every one of the speakers had uh, planted a church. All of them were church planters, which is fascinating to me. I just noticed everyone. And I was the only one who was not pastoring the church that I planted last. Um, at the time, I wasn't I wasn't pastoring. Um, and so so it was interesting because. And and I got up because, you know, they come to this conference here at uh, Saddle World. And, uh, um, I mean, there's actually a a street light. you call it a street light? There's actually a stop light in the middle of the campus at Purpose Drive to Saddleback Way when you're driving on. (laughs) And, uh, and, and and yet all these people get up and they tell their story, you know, Carrie Shuk Plant Church goes sixteen thousand, I forget Dino Rizzo goes nine thousand, crazy. Just crazy things. And so just in the middle of my message, I, I get up there and I and I and I just kind of get a little flustered almost and frustrated. I'm trying to find something to pull up to while, while I'm talking about it. And so so I actually say, I said, you know what? I said, I don't want you to be fooled by this. Don't be fooled by this. I said, This, this is is and I hope I don't offend you, but this is ministry pornography. This is an unrealistic depiction of an experience you're never going to have that distracts you from the real and glorious thing. Now, you can raise your hand or walk out later if I offended you. Uh, but but my point here is this, is that this is not real. And here's what I want to show you is is that that really the typical church plant in the United States, um, we, you know, again, I do, I do the research. I, I guess I'm the... Uh, I'm the—I I'm the, guess I'm the only person doing research on this right now, but uh, but here's 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 some statistics that you might find uh, interesting. Uh, we studied over a thousand church plants just in on U.S. statistics, and um, here was the mean church plant. This is actually a graph uh, a, a uh, that, that of what we did. This, this 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 is this is actually what a normal church plant looks like in the in the U.S. U.S. and Canada. Okay, so this is this is the mean annual church plant attendance. You like that? It does. <laughs> I am happy to serve you by saying how bad it is in the United States. Um, does this look more familiar to your context? The typical church plant in the United States does not break 100 in attendance after 4 years. Now that's not, but here's the thing. Those aren't the people that you're listening to in the podcasts and going to in the conferences. Hey, our church has been stuck at 40 for seven years, and I'm going to keynote. No, I mean they—they they invite you to speak at the meetings because you're—and it's—it's it, freakishly abnormal. So, 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 what I want you to hear is is that this is, uh, this is what's normal. Now, but, but even to your question, even to your question, you're right, Americans often draw on what's called the large launch methodology, which I don't teach overseas, here's why. Mm-hmm. It's because it requires a certain religious memory or religious appeal, so, so I can send out a mailer, and I still can in my community, right? We had 270 people at the first service of our church. Okay? And I, I tell you that, not to impress you, but it's Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and so I send out a mailer, and there's enough people at home. And if I send it a mailer saying, "Man, we're going to talk about how to how to change in this area," or maybe, or maybe we didn't do this, but maybe I send it a mailer saying, "How do I fix your marriage?" There's a, there's, and I send it to forty thousand people. There's enough people who have troubled marriages and who just think the church might have an answer to them that will come in response. Which, by the way, means your next year is marriage therapy all week, every day. <laughs> I would say that when you think about. Less church areas where religious memory is two, three, four, six generations away. Your, your approach is very, very different. The, the approach in, uh, in areas that are receptive, and this is true in Africa as well. Uh, last time I was in Africa, we planted a church. In one week, we did a crusade. Thousands came. We planted a church with hundreds at the first service, and the church is doing fine today. I mean, in a week, receptivity. So it's not just a U.S. fund. It's much more receptive in other places. But you have to think in terms of church planting as two tracks. There's the one track that's the relational track. I meet people. I get to know them. I share Christ with them. There's two of them. There's four of them. There's eight of them. There's 16 of them. And that is a, that is a slower track. Here it goes. Dun, 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 dun. But what happens is this, is that in more receptive societies where a large outreach event may be effective, and maybe there are some places in Australia where that's the case. I'm not an Australian expert. I don't pretend to be. But you, go, you still start this way, two, four, doo, 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 and you get to whatever. And then, in a, audience, in a receptive audience, you bring in a second track. And let's say you've got 30 people who are already committed to what you're doing, and you have some sort of event to somehow get them in the mix with 100 others. And so you do what you call is the, big, the big start. And so you get a large launch, and then they go alongside. And over the next six months, you try to get these people into these people and so that you end up with 100 or 150 of them left so that's kind of the strategy that's the case but it requires a receptive population that upon hearing the question whatever question you're going to pose to them might think that church has part of the answer and therefore they're willing to come the more res- the more resistant a community is the less likely that is to actually happen but to bust one myth oh and by the way let me let me show you uh, another as uh, as well um and, and I can send this to Scott if you're interested. Uh, here's the survival rate. Um, people say um, church plants, what's fail, what's survive. Uh, after four years, I mean, most churches make it at some point in year one because they're, they just were around. I mean, that's, if you're around in year one, that's score. There's one. Uh, the uh, 8% close, 81%, now you're not here, 19% close. About two-thirds are still extant after four years, and about half of these are struggling. And so after four years of church planning, about a third are vibrant and doing well. They would do what we call a missiology. They would have uh, become self-supporting, self-governing, self-propagating. So in other words, they've gotten to be a standalone church. So after four years, about a third achieved that milestone, and about a third are still around but are trying to struggle and figure out how to do that, and a third have, uh, have ceased to exist. So now I've given you the inner belly, the dirty secrets of the reality. Don't believe the conferences. Conferences are conferences. can, you know, I, I'm, I'm like a professional conference speaker, right? Um, so I, I don't hate conferences. I love conferences. But if you go home from a conference like that discouraged and disheartened because you didn't hear that your church is normal and God's working in it in a powerful way, even though you don't have 200 people, then I think we do a disservice to people along the way. I think we had a question right back there, and then we'll keep going up there. Oh, and, and Scott's raised last hand. Up. Sorry about that. And then we're having morning tea. I'm trying to blend. I'm trying to... Is that working? Did it sound Australian when I said that? Morning tea. I'm, it's fabulous. And, uh, I mean, this is... I just want to blend. And so... No, I'm having fun contextualizing. All right, go ahead. It's what? Smoko? Smoko. So there's smoking? Okay. Ah, because everywhere I go, I've seen advertisements that smoking kills you instantly. <laughs> just did some guy <laughs> take a smoke and blood pours out of his mouth. Sorry, Can I I'm ask fascinated question, by this. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I'm having fun. Go ahead. I'm um, Just maybe going back to your comment on the CPM versus CMM. Uh, S- say it again, I'm sorry. The, just going back to the question about CPM versus CMM and the, the stuff that you explained on that. And then the comment you made. About some cultural factors that you felt mitigated against the house church movement yeah. in Western context, or maybe the simple church movement. Could yes. you maybe expand on that a little bit? Yeah. What some of those factors might be, and what question. it means for simple church in Western context? It's a great question. Um, I'm actually writing a series of factors, what I call put downward pressure, thus enabling simple churches to come. Uh, so, for example, in our uh, one of the big news in church circles in the U.S. right now is New York City has banned churches from renting space in public schools which puts a downward pressure on, on church size, um, you know, meeting facilities here, here, but here, here's the, here's the reality. When people have the economic ability and the religious freedom and the religious, uh, and, and I'm sorry, and the spiritual interest to do so, they tend to gather in larger and larger groups under more and more, um, polished leadership. Um, I'm a believer in house churches. I want them to meet the marks of a biblical church. Um, I'm a believer in house churches, um, and, but what I, I think has kept them from happening is there's actually a book written in the 80s uh, by DeBose and Hathaway called Home Cells and House Churches. looked at a global phenomenon, and they said something that's very aggressive, and it said no movement has survived, no house church movement has survived the death of its visionary leader they all form up into larger churches. Very interesting. That's downward pressure. So I, so I think in terms of these downward pressures, right? I've got downward pressure of available facility. I've got downward pressure of persecution. I've got downward pressure of, of a visionary leader who says this is the way that we should be. But without that downward pressure, people tend to gather. And when you ask why uh, Felicity Dale, who wrote the, uh, the book Simply Church is a friend, she's, I've had her guest on the blog, um, at my blog at edstessor.com. And what she says is, I, so we were in this panel at the Verge conference and my job was kind of ask questions of house churches and mega churches together, and uh, and Felicity was just great. She says, "Why would anyone pick our church over your church? Have you ever sang in a group of fifteen people? You know, and because you know she's she's uh, she's involved. Her, her Tony, Tony, and her are involved in, in their house church movement there. And she said, "We got nothing." Uh, is basically what she's saying. But but for them, it's the downward pressure that in their case, they're reaching a lot of university students and others in Austin, Texas area. And what it is is they have so been. They have so rejected the established church, they won't go. And so there's this downward pressure against us. But they'll go in a home with what seems like a countercultural spiritual experience, but they'll just hear the gospel and lives will be changed and people will be transformed. Now... So what happens here, and I, and I have research, and I don't have time because Scott will yell at me um, and, uh, and again, again uh, and, um, but I have research that shows that the percentage of people in, in uh, North America that are participating in house churches, and it's about 1.4%, and that's, that's surprisingly large. That's more than there are uh, participating in evangelical free churches, for example. Um, but, but right now, there's not this movement. There's not this breakthrough. Some of the best Right now, I have different views on ecclesiology like Neil Cole does, but he's who I'd recommend if people are interested in learning more. I just hold a little higher polity. I think, I think the office of pastor elder is a biblically prescribed and described office. He would not. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, I think some of those downward pressures have to be there. Um, otherwise, what you end up with is, is, uh, is too many of the angry children of evangelical churches who kind of want to reject the polity and do church kind of, you know, on their own. And I don't think that's a good missional approach. I think a better approach is to say, this way will enable us to engage for the gospel, these high-rises that are all around us and other ways that are here as well.